If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me over to 2 Timothy, the second chapter, the 24th through the 26th verse. Uh, we're going to begin ministering today on the subject of overcoming failure in the storms of life. Part of the overcoming series that we've been doing, and I believe that as we hear this today, that God's going to open your heart, open your minds, and give you fresh revelation in an area that uh, you can rise up and be victorious and and uh, have the power of God and, and the evidence of God manifested in your life as you begin to follow the Lord. Look Let's look at what Second Timothy 2, verse 24 through 26 says. Paul's writing to the young Timothy here. He said, But a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Now, the King James Version said, Who oppose themselves. And if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they might know the truth, that they may know, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now, Paul's writing here to Timothy concerning people that are enslaved or ensnared by the powers of darkness. And he said that they are those that oppose themselves. In other words, they feel like there's no hope. They feel like there's no way out. There's no exit to their problems. And in doing so, they oppose themselves and not opening up and submitting to the presence of the Lord and to the power of God and to the Word of God that's been presented to them. And they are taken captive by the devil to do his will. So today we're going to deal with the subject of overcoming failure and the storms of life that come to you. The Bible says it's in uh, in Second Timothy four verse eighteen. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for His heavenly kingdom. Now, in our lifetime, every one of us, it's inevitable. We're going to have scars, or we do have scars from problems and things that's happened in our life, tragedies, disappointments, and failures are all etched in our life. Now. Not one person sitting here and listening to this teaching is exempt from problems. We're not exempt from trials. We're not exempt from situations that come up in our life. But the thing is that we're trying to emphasize to you is even though you're in the middle of a big problem and you're in the middle of all of these situations that the devil's bringing in your life, there is a way out. There is a way of victory. There is a way of escape. And and the Word of God is that way of escape as we begin to see what God's Word says. But failure is there. We've, we've all failed God. But we can either let our scars of our failures remind us of how much it hurts, or we can let our scars remind us of how much we've overcome. And I choose really to do the latter and to let my scars where I have failed, where I have fallen flat on my face and gotten up and learned from that situation and learned how to be an overcomer in that situation, I want that to remind me of how much I've overcome. God will deliver you from every evil work and preserve you for His heavenly kingdom. Now, all men fail. The great ones simply get back up. See, yesterday's failure can become today's success. Tragedies can become triumphs. Though some mistakes can be devastating, the majority of your mistakes can literally be turned around for your good. You can change the direction of your life. You can step out of failure and into a victorious and successful life by making the right choice today. I'm reminded of a story of a man named Chuck Colson. 
some of you may remember him, some of you may not remember him, but Chuck Colson was uh, one of the main advisors in Richard Nixon's administration during his presidency in the 70s. And, of course, we all know the tragedy that took place there. Richard Nixon uh, resigned from being president through all of the th- happenings and things that were going on there. And Chuck Colson was convicted and tried and sent to prison for his uh, participation in a cover-up and some things that were happening uh, in that administration at that particular time. And Chuck Colson actually uh, went to prison for many years for that situation. Now, now the, the tragedy was of what happened. But in the prison, Chuck Colson became acquainted with some believers And Chuck Colson accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and Jesus transformed his life in the middle of the prison where he was. And what God did, God birthed something in Chuck Colson. When he was born again, there was something birthed in him to have a compassion and a ministry to prisoners. And Chuck Colson got out of prison. He established a prison ministry that has went around the world to prisoners, men and women that's in prison, incarcerated. And it became one of the largest prison ministries in the world and reaching literally hundreds of thousands of people through this ministry. Chuck Coson saw people's lives changed, turned around, and saw their failures that they had uh, experience and God caused triumph to come in their lives just like He did His. Chuck Coson just passed away not long ago and went on to be with the Lord, but His legacy, His ministry still goes forward and people are still directing that prison ministry around the world, helping people find hope. There's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one example of how your failure from yesterday can become today's success and, and your tragedy can literally become a triumph. And even though that was devastating to Chuck Colson, his mistake was turned around for his good, and God changed the direction of his life, and he stepped out of failure and into a victorious and a successful life. Now, the Bible said in Proverbs 24, verse 16, A just man falls seven times and rises up again. Hallelujah. You, you know, that, that, that's hope for us. You know, somebody said, well, I, I failed God. It doesn't matter. You know, the grace of God never is exhausted. God's grace is never exhausted in your life. And if you fall seven times, God will lift you up and you'll rise up again. And hopefully that when you rise up after so many times that you're going to begin to see and understand and get a revelation in your heart to where you can be triumphant and victorious and then you can reach out and help other people. The Bible said Psalms 37 verse 23 through 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, though he fall, he shall be not utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Thank God. Listen, one thing that God wants us to see today, you're not an accident. You're not something that's just been flung together and your life's not just been flung together. God has a purpose. God has a design. God has his divine call on each one of us individually for what he wants you to do for the kingdom of God. God is systematically and he is putting people in place in the kingdom of God that we can assist and help and see many, many people come to the Lord in this last day. 
and your steps are ordered. God delights in your way. And even if you fall, God's grace that's inexhaustible is going to lift you up if you'll call on the Lord. And God will lift you up. And God will not let you be cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. See, storms of life and failure can cause people to oppose themselves. See, when you fail, you can get bitter. When you fail, you can become disappointed. When you fail, you can get into self-pity and feel sorry for yourself. Failure will cause you to begin to oppose yourself and you will oppose people reaching out to you trying to help you and encourage you when you're in failure. But see, God's plan for us is victory, healing, prosperity, and the whole family are to be blessed. God instructs the leaders to instruct with meekness those individuals who oppose themselves. We as, as, as believers and Christians and leaders, I myself, I have to be uh, meek and, and gentle and in humility correct someone. I can't just go in and beat them on the head because they're already opposing themselves. So God wants us to go in and gently and patiently teach and direct and guide these people that are in opposition to themselves, opposing themselves, and help lead them out of that tragedy, lead them out of that uh, life of defeat into a life of victory so that they can be productive in the kingdom of God and do something for the Lord and and feel worth something to, to the kingdom and worth something in their own hearts to the Lord. This is what God's calling us to do. But God instructs us to be with meekness. Circumstances do not alter the Word of God, <laughs> but rather the Word of God alter circumstances. Thank God for that. Your circumstances does not change God's Word. Your circumstances that you're involved in right now does not change God's plan. God has a divine plan for you. God has a perfect will for you. It doesn't matter if you've gotten off track and you've gotten so off track that you're lost in the woods somewhere. God will direct you and lead you back by the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you back to that place because His will is foremost in His mind for you. God has a plan. God doesn't change His mind. God's not a God that changes His mind. He's not a God that lies. He's he's not man that he lies. He is a God of truth. He is a faithful God. He's a committed God to what he's planned for you. So the circumstances that come in your life to, to persuade you and to pull you down and to destroy you do not alter God's plan or the word of God in your life, but rather the word of God is going to alter the circumstances. See, when the individual comes to their senses and comes out of their failure, that's when God can manifest his presence and God can begin to bless and to to replenish and to give back what the devil's stolen. Praise God. Over in Luke 15, there's the story of the prodigal son. Uh, Most of you have read this and heard the story, but the prodigal son had went to his father and said, Father, give me all of my goods, all of my inheritance. I want it now. And, you know, he probably wasn't mature enough to handle it then, but legally it was his. The father went ahead and just gave him his portion of the inheritance that was going to be his anyway. The the Bible said the son went out and spent it in riotous living, just foolish living, and just wasted the money. It literally is what had happened. He just went out and wasted. You know, there's a lot of people today that, that can win a million-dollar lottery, but in the next year they'll be in bankruptcy because they don't know how to handle money. They're not mature enough. They, they're not responsible for 
for what has been placed in their hands, and they can literally just lose it all in just a short span of time and just foolishly spend it and never put nothing back and never have anything to to uh, for the future because they don't know what to do with it. The prodigal son was that way. He spent it in riotous living. Ended up that after all of his friends left him, he had no money left. He was too ashamed to go back home. He ended up tending to a, a person's hogs and pigs for this for a living and literally would eat the slop of the pigs to sustain himself. And he did not look like royalty. He didn't look like he'd come out of a household that had wealth. But he was there because he fell to the bottom. He was a total failure. But the Bible says one day the prodigal son came to his senses. He came to himself. And he said, I will now arise and go home to my father because I will just tell my father that I failed, I've sinned, I have failed, and I'll just become a servant in his house because even a servant has a roof over his head and food to eat. And he began to understand that even if he wasn't established as a son, he'd at least have food to eat and a place to live and he could live comfortably again. Maybe not like he used to, but he would live comfortably, but a whole lot better than being in the pig's pen. But when he came to the the town and to the gate of the city, the Bible said the father saw him coming, and he went out and met him, ran out and met his son, fell on him and kissed his neck, and they walked back to the house together. And they walked back in front of all of those self-righteous people that begin to point their finger. Isn't Isn't that that son that failed? Isn't that that son that took all the money and just spent it foolishly? Isn't that the son that uh, was rebellious and, and, and has brought shame to that household? His daddy was just walking by all those people pointing their fingers. He said, this is my son. He was dead, but now he's alive. This is my son. He was lost, but now he's found. That's God's grace. That's God's grace. See, it doesn't matter where you fall to. It doesn't matter where you end up. God's grace is inexhaustible. It 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 is there for you. It will lift you up and bring you back. But you see, the prodigal son had to come to his grips with the lies and the pressure of the enemy that was against him. And he had to come to grips with that and, and come to the point to where he knew where he failed. And yet, when he went back home, he came to his senses. The Bible says the father reinstated him in sonship. He put the ring on his finger with a signet, meaning he had the authority to put that signet ring on documents and papers, important papers. He put the robe on him. He was a son again. And not only had he lost his inheritance, but now then any inheritance that had been gained there, he became heir to that inheritance. See, God God doesn't forsake you. God doesn't take from you. The devil's the one that takes and subtracts and divides. God adds and multiplies to our life. And as we begin to understand what the Lord's doing uh, in, in, in bringing us up out of failure. See, failure can defeat you permanently or you can get up. Your failure can make you stay down on the ground or you can get up. God never intended for us to waller in self-pity. God intended for us to get up. You know, a prize fighter is knocked around and knocked down, but he does not stay down. He gets up on his feet and fights again. That's a prize fighter. That's a, that's a person that's got fight in him. That's a person that's not going to stay down because he's beat down. He's going to get up and fight back until he can become the champ that, that he's supposed to be. Now, in the Bible, 
There's examples of those who failed and God dealing with them and how God restored them. The children of Israel suffered defeat and humiliation after sin came into the camp. Remember the children of Israel under the leadership of Joshua after Moses had died. uh, Joshua took over and led them over the Jordan River into the promised land. And they began to enjoy the inheritance that God had for them. But they came up against a city, Jericho which was the first opposition after Israel crossed over the Jordan into the Promised Land. And all they had to do was obey God, march around the walled city for seven days, once a day for six days, and then seven times on the seventh day. And on the seventh time on the seventh day, all they had to do was shout for victory. And the Lord said, I've given this city into your hands, and when you do these things, you'll see the victory. And they did that, and the walls of that city fell flat, and they took over everything, all the possessions, all of the gold, all the silver, all all of the things. Things that was left there was the the possession of of Israel. But Achan's sin had taken spoil from the victory and hiding it in his tent. Now the Lord had told him not to, the Lord had told him just to take the city, but but Achan went beyond that and took some. He saw some good things. He said, "Well, I better take that because nobody will know." And he took it and put it in his tent. This is found in Joshua the seventh chapter, verses one through five. But you see, there's one thing that we need to understand: sin cannot be hid because of Achan's sin. All of Israel suffered. And what happened was he buried those items in his tent. Then he went out to battle. The, the children of Israel, the army of Israel went out to battle. And they came back defeated, beaten by the enemy several times. And finally, Joshua began to ask God, what is going on? What is, you just gave us this great victory in Jericho. Now what is happening? And because of Achan's sin, see, all of Israel suffered. And see, a Christian has difficulty hiding sin. And you can't just hide sin when sin's in your life. But what happened is Joshua stood up and he began to speak to the people. And the sin of Achan was uncovered. And when that was uncovered and they dealt with that, then Israel went forth and victories were there. Victory after victory after victory after victory. Because they dealt with the sin problem. See, the countenance of a person will show guilt. Cain's countenance fell after he killed Abel in the the book of Genesis there. Uh, Genesis 4, verses 5 through 6. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? Why did his countenance fall? Because he just slew his brother. He sinned. He slayed his brother. And because of that, the consequences of Cain was he was driven out. And, uh, and of course, through Cain's descendants, this is where all of the situation that's happened in the Middle East and all of the world situation today is the uh, the uh, Ishmaelites and uh, and all of this and all of these things the, the enemies the, this is the enemies that the children of Israel were facing when they when they went into um, uh, into uh, into the Promised Land all of the enemy was there because of Cain's descendants and all that he had brought in they were occupying the territory and occupying the land but God was very angry with Cain uh, because of what happened and you can't hide it. What I'm saying here today is, when you fail, just acknowledge. Be quick to acknowledge where you went wrong. Be quick to acknowledge where you failed. Be quick to acknowledge where you sinned so God can lift you up. See, joy leaves after something is wrong. Uh, The joy of the Lord is not in your heart when you allow failure and allow these things to affect your spirit man. Uh, John Mark, that was working with uh, Paul the Apostle and... uh, and, and Paul and Silas, uh, uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas, and and they were he was working with them as an assistant. He was they were mentoring him. But the Bible says in Acts the fifteenth chapter that Mark 
They woke up one morning and he had fled in the middle of the night. He couldn't take the pressure. He couldn't take the heat. He couldn't take the pressure of the ministry. And therefore, he was a failure in the ministry. He was a failure in what he was attempting to do. And the Bible said Paul and Barnabas separated, went their separate ways uh, because of the conflict there. And just because there's failure doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Listen. Some of us have fallen flat on our face starting out to do something for God. Some of you God called to preach. Some of you God called to teach. God called you to do other things, and you fell flat on your face. You failed, and and you, you want to just flee and just hide yourself from society and hide yourself from God. But listen, just because there's failure doesn't mean it's the end of the world. The Bible says over uh, in Acts that John uh, John Mark was called back by Paul. He told Timothy, bring Mark with you, John Mark with you, for now he's profitable to the ministry. He was restored back to the ministry after Paul recognized he had repented and changed. God said, I'm not through with that boy. I've still got some things. I've worked on him. I've got some things straightened out in him. So Paul recognized that and said, Timothy, bring him back with you because he's profitable for the ministry. See, failure doesn't mean it's the end of the world. So if you don't defeat the enemy... It'll come back over and over again. If you faint in the day of adversity, the Bible said in Proverbs 24.10, your strength is small. So let's not let our weaknesses come because we faint, because the adversity is strong, and you faint and you fall. But let's get up. And let's defeat the enemy. And let's say, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to get up from here. I failed, but I'm going to be strong and be an overcomer in Jesus' name. Now, in the book of Job, Job allowed fear to dominate his thinking, and he lost everything he had. And one day, Job lost everything. Job 3, verse 23 through 25, the thing that I greatly feared, the thing that I was afraid of, has come unto me. You see, fear causes the devil to work in your life, but faith causes God to work for you. And so Job lost everything that he had. Now, a lot of people, they, they look at the life of Job and said, poor old Job. He lost all of his riches and everything that he had. Yes, he did. He lost everything. The Bible said he lost everything. And one day, he lost everything. But, you know, his ordeal wasn't a lifetime. See, a lot of people act like that Job had a lifetime of misery, a lifetime of, uh, of defeat, a lifetime of, of turmoil, a lifetime of lack. No. When you, when you read the history of Job, this ordeal only lasted about nine months. That was about the length of it. And it only lasted nine months because it took nine months for Job to finally come to his senses when one of the men there said, Look, Job, I, I've waited for all these other guys to tell you the truth, but I want to tell you, your words have been stout against God, and God wants you to repent. God wants you to come back to this. God is God. He's a faithful God. And the Bible said Job repented. He repented. And he prayed for his friends that were against him, that were trying to condemn him. The Bible said when he prayed for his friends, God turned the tide for Job. And God restored back twice as much as he had lost. And Job got it all back plus, and he was victorious and a man of great stature again, of influence in the in the community again because of God's restoration power. <laughs> Glory to God. Failure is not to keep us down. Thank God. Failure is not to keep us down. Fear causes the devil to work, but faith causes God to work. The disciples were hiding for fear of the Jews in John 20, verse 19. See, fear causes people to shrink back in fear. Uh, the disciples, when Jesus 
Jesus was crucified, they'd all fled, and they they fled for fear that they were going to be killed next, and, and they were walking in fear. But aren't you glad? When Jesus appeared to them and showed his hands and his feet and the scar in his side, that he was alive, he was resurrected, and on the day of Pentecost, when they went to the upper room where Jesus had commanded them to go, when he ascended up into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father, and they went into the upper room. The power of the Holy Ghost came on them. Those same failures, those same people that were operating in fear began to operate in faith. Many of them gave their lives. Many of them gave their lives for the kingdom of God and the glory of the Lord. Many of them faced opposition by being put in jail, but they didn't fear what the enemy could do to them because they knew that God was God. And God delivered many times. And God delivered and brought them forth. And they, they saw great miracles and great things wrought for the kingdom of God. And even though they were failures at one time of fear, now God made a mighty men of faith. Praise God. See, fear causes you to shrink back in fear. There was a lady in Indiana that had a fear of driving a car after she had been involved in an accident that almost took her life. And I was in this service ministering, and God spoke to me to minister to her and pray for deliverance from fear. And she was, you know, from this accident, she didn't even, she couldn't even get behind the wheel of a car. She'd be petrified. Her her hands would just grip the steering wheel, and she'd just hold on tightly because uh, of the fear. She just couldn't drive no more. But after we prayed for her that night, God set her free. But then she still had to face the challenge and get in the car and drive. And the next day, after we prayed for her, she got in the car. She was going to go down the road to the store. And she, and someone wanted to go with her. And she said, no, I have to do this by myself. She got in the car. Her hands were tied around the wheel. But she said, I can do this in the name of Jesus. Fear does not dominate me no more. I've been set free. I'm not a failure. Glory to God. And she drove down to the store and drove back. And she drove several other places that day. Drove to church that night came to the service rejoicing, a smile on her face, liberated from the fear because, you see, God had set her free. She had failed, but now God had raised her back up to a point where she could be victorious in the Lord. See, the devil says God will not honor you anymore, but it's not over until you say it's over. I like what Yogi Berra, uh, the great catcher for the New York Yankees, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's, he had a famous saying, it ain't over till it's over. Praise God. And I, I think as an, we as Christians need to get that attitude. It ain't over till it's over. Over. I mean, it's not over till we say it's over. And if, listen, God's not going to say it's over. Don't, God's going to keep you till it's time for you to come home, and God will preserve you and keep you till it's time for you to go home. But the thing is, it's not over unless you give up and say it's over. So today, God wants you to know your failure, your failures in life, they're there. We're all going to have them. But we don't have to waller in self-pity. We don't have to stay down. We're going to get up like the prize fighter. We're going to go forth, and we're going to be more than conquerors in Jesus' name. See, God brings restoration. God brings restoration. I, I like Hosea, the second chapter, the 14th through the 16th verse. The Lord speaking, he said, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, talking about Israel, and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Vacor as a door of hope. She shall sing there, and in the days of her youth, as in the days when she come out of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband, and no longer call me my master. But see, the Lord wants us to realize now then, He is Lord, He is husband to Israel, and He is going to restore, and He's going to take care of the situation. But the thing, I, the point I want to make is the valley of Achor there. Now, we, we just commented on that while ago in Joshua 7. Israel had failed. That was the valley of Achor where they had failed tremendously and, and had a, uh, a great defeat that was given to them by the enemy. 
But the Lord is saying now, I'm going to cause the valley of Achor to be a door of hope. God said, I will comfort you and you will sing again. The valley of trouble will become a door of hope. The Bible said in Isaiah 51, 3, For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Hallelujah. Uh, You know, we need to understand today, God loves you. God loves you. God loves every one of us. God's not interested in destroying you. He's interested in bringing you forth and letting you produce a hundredfold in your life. That's what God's interested in. And we need to understand that He wants to comfort you. He'll comfort your waste places. He'll make your wilderness like Eden. He'll cause your desert to be like the garden of the Lord. And God's going to let joy and gladness be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody is going to rise up in your spirit and out of your mouth again when God delivers you, sets you free, and brings you into this place of hope again because He's for you. God wants to restore. I don't care where you failed. God will restore. You may have failed in a business. God may restore that business. You may have failed uh, in a marriage. God can restore that marriage. You may have failed uh, in in uh, uh, many, many things, in many areas of your life. But listen, don't stay down. Let God lift you up and restore you because God is a restorer. Psalms 126 verses 1 and 2. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, the sign of Christianity is joy and laughter. I remember Several years ago, I had a, 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 a rally down in uh, Houston, Texas. We rented a uh, meeting room at one of the main hotels, and uh, we, we were there, and, and Brother John Osteen and his wife Dodie were coming to the meeting that night to be with us in the service and, and, and to be there to encourage us, and they, they got a late start, and then they got to the hotel. And they went into this meeting room, and there were a lot of people in this meeting room, and they went in and sat down by this man, and, and of course, he was drinking his uh, uh, liquor, and, and people were lighting up their cigarettes. This was before they passed the law, you know, where it was illegal to, to smoke in the public places. But uh, they were lighting up their cigarettes, and they were the guy that was up there talking was using foul language. And, and John looked at Dodie and said, I think we're in the wrong place. And she said, I believe we are. So they they they, they went out of the meeting room, and, and they were in the hallway, and she said, well, where, where's Brother Clarence, and where's his meeting? He said, just listen. And they started walking. He said, just listen, just listen. And all of a sudden, they heard singing and rejoicing coming out of one of the rooms. And he said, that's our group right there. That's where they are. That's our crowd. And they came in and joined us, and it was, it was a great night in the Lord. But what I'm saying is, the Lord is going to bring you out of captivity and you're going to be filled, your mouth's going to be filled with laughter and your tongue with singing. That's, going to, that's the sign. That's the sign of Christianity is joy and laughter. So we need to understand today, wherever you are, whatever you failed in, listen, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. God is for you. God's not against you. God doesn't want to kill you. God doesn't want to destroy you. God wants to restore you. God wants to preserve you. God wants to bring you back and put you back on the right track, on the right pathway so his will can be performed in your life. Now, how do we overcome failure in the storms of life? This, this is what we need to get to right now. This, and, and as we begin to listen, we can dwell on our failures, but we want to dwell on the positive side. Now, how do you overcome it? How do you overcome it? Number one, don't throw up your hands and quit. Don't, don't just throw up your hands and say, okay, that's it, Lord. 
That's it, Lord. I'm not going to do it no more. I'm not going to serve you no more. I'm not going to try to do anything for you no more. No, no. Don't don't have that attitude. Don't throw up your hands and quit. And but forget the past. Number two, forget the past and look to the future. What Paul say in Philippians the third chapter and thirteenth through the fourteenth verse? He said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forget the past. We, we're going to have to quit looking in the rearview mirror and saying, Oh, what if I hadn't have done this? What if I hadn't have said that? What if I had have done this instead of this? You know, and, and quit looking in the rearview mirror and start looking ahead. Look to the future. Someone made a statement one time, and I, and I pinned it down, and it, it, it's become very important to me. Yesterday is in the tomb, but tomorrow is in the womb. So your future is being determined today. Your past does not determine your future. Your past does not determine where you're going right now. Your past is buried. Leave it behind and look forward and look towards those things which are ahead. Press towards the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and realize that the past is past. The future is still being developed. We we can still write our future down. We can still go forward and see our future uh, uh, manifested and revealed to us as we go. And let's don't look back. Let's go forward. Bounce back up after you've been knocked down. I mean, you know, after the devil's knocked you down, don't stay down. Get up. I heard a preacher preaching one time. He said, we're like a cork. You know, you put a cork and you push it in the water and push it down, that cork's just going to pop right back up. And that that's what we need to do. Just call me Corky Clarence. Corky Clarence Dalrymple. I mean, because if the devil pushes me down, I'm going to bounce back up. You better believe I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. I don't care if I fall. I'm going to come back. The Bible said if you fall seven times, God will raise you up. And I, I believe that we're, we're like that cork. We're going to bounce back after we've been knocked down. I like what Micah, the book of Micah, the seventh chapter and the eighth verse in the Old Testament, he said, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall and when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. And when I fall, I will rise again. Praise God. <laughs> oh, listen, we, 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 there's hope in the Lord today. We, we've got to get it down in our spirit. And if you've been knocked down, say, Devil, don't rejoice. Don't rejoice when I fall. I will arise. I will get up from here. I will do the will of God. I will finish what God told me to do. I will perform it in the name of Jesus. And when you, when I'm sitting in darkness, God will be a light unto me. God will show me a way out. God will show me the exit. Praise God because God is for you and not against you. Psalms 27 and 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear and of whom shall I be afraid? God is our light. He's our deliverer. He's our salvation. We don't have to fear because he's the strength of our life, and we don't have to be afraid. Now, the devil means everything for evil, but God always turns it for our good. See, whatever the devil throws your way, you can laugh in his face because whatever he means for evil, God will reverse that and turn it for your good. That's why Paul said in Romans, we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I don't care if it looks like it's 
the end of the world. God will reverse that. God will turn it around. And you will begin to see God's blessings manifested in your life because God is with you and for you. See, the devil means it for evil, but God always turns it for our good. God is on your side. See, Job got into self-pity and began to blame God for his troubles. But when Job prayed for his friends, God turned his captivity and restored his losses seven times, according to Job 42. See, we, we need to understand that God isn't going to leave you where you are. If you turn to the Lord and you get back on track, God's going to accelerate you to the place where you should have been. And He, the blessings of God are going to abound. God gave me a word here the first of last year. He said, I'm going to accelerate your ministry from where it should have been and where it should be now. I'm going to accelerate it. You're going to see an acceleration. And I, I believe that. I believe we're seeing the acceleration of what God intended for our ministry years ago. God is accelerating and bringing it to fruition and manifesting it today because He is the restorer. Um, another preacher swindled my missionary friend in Haiti and he came down with malaria. Uh, before this, he was determined to expose this preacher who had stolen from him. <laughs> he had been down there doing a work for God, a great work for the Lord. And, and this preacher literally uh, swindled his friend, uh, swindled my friend and, and took all of this money uh, and used it for himself. And my friend came down with malaria, and he was going to expose the preacher to everybody. But you know what God spoke to him? Forgive and release the other minister. Forgive him and release him. See what I'll do. So my, my missionary friend did this, and the Bible, and, and immediately he was healed, and God blessed him with more than what had been stolen. I mean, see, God will restore. God will restore. When we're able to release, God will restore. Another minister friend of mine came down with yellow jaundice, and he knew all the famous healing evangelists. I mean, he knew them on a first-name basis, personal basis. They fellowshiped together. And they all came and prayed for him. They came to his home, laid hands on him. Every one of them, they flew into Houston, and they laid hands on him, and they, they believed God to heal him. But nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. But see, my friend had bitterness and wounds from a falling out with another minister, and uh, he, he, he wasn't willing to forgive and release this other minister. And God spoke to him while he was in this condition. After all these famous faith preachers had come and laid hands on him, nothing was happening. God spoke to him to have that minister, the one that he was bitter against, that one that wasn't a well-known preacher to come and pray the prayer of faith. Well, my friend argued with God for a while, but finally he submitted to the Lord, and he called the other preacher. And when he arrived, both of these ministers wept. Both of them wept and repented. And afterwards, the minister that the man had bitterness against, he laid hands on my friend, and God raised him up and healed him and restored him. Oh, listen, friend, what what the devil means for good, God will turn it around for our good. Uh, what the devil means for bad, God will turn it around for your good. And we need to understand that the devil is out to destroy. Jesus is out to bring life. And we need to let him bring the life in our heart, in our life. Never, 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 never quit. Your mess will become your message. Your pain will become your pulpit. Your burden will become your blessing. And your weakness will become your weapon. Praise God. You are more than a conqueror. And God's will is going to be performed in your life as you submit to the Lord today.
I hope this teaching has blessed you, and I want you that are here with me, those that's listening to the CD, if you've got someone that you can join hands with and agree, I want to pray. Because there's some of you that have failed. Some of you have fallen flat on your face. Some of you have failed tremendously. But I'm here to tell you, God's not here to condemn you. His grace is there to lift you up and put you back on track so that the blessings of God can abound in your life. Would you join someone and and join their hands right now, and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. You see all of these people, Lord, that are here, those that are listening uh, by other means, and they're they're in their home, or they're they're wherever they might be, and they're joining hands with other form- believers. And God, they're believing that you're going to minister to this need. The Lord, you said, if any two shall agree on earth is touching anything, it shall be done of the Father which is in heaven. And we're agreeing. We thank you, Lord, that we unite ourselves together. Our faith is united. We impart faith to one another, Lord. We impart faith to these people right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus. We impart your revelation into their heart so that they can rise up in their spirit right now. Rise up and begin to rejoice and receive what you've given for them and what you've done for them in their life. And devil, we, we come against you because you're the culprit. You're the enemy of our soul. You're the one that's causing us to oppose ourselves. But today we're serving notice on you. Jesus won the victory 2,000 years ago. And we're binding your powers. We're rendering you powerless in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You cannot operate in or around about these people in their minds and in their lives no longer. We're going to rise up and we're going to become that mighty army that God's called us to be. And regardless of our failures, we're going to be overcomers and more than conquerors. God's going to take our mess and make it a message. God's going to take our failures. God's going to take our problems. And he's going to let our pain become our pulpit. He's going to let our burden become our blessings. And the weaknesses are going to become our weapons. We're going to see other people minister to and set free in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for doing it now. Thank you now that your peace settles like a blanket over their spirit. And they feel the manifestation of peace in their hearts and in their minds. And the joy of the Lord is bubbling up and it's their strength. Their bodies beginning to feel strengthened and revitalized and, and, and revived in Jesus' name. We thank you. Sickness is leaving right now because we're submitting to your word and we know that you're bringing us out of this failure and this trial of life that's come our way in this storm of life. We're victorious in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you that your will is being performed. That blueprint in their life is coming to manifestation in Jesus' name. Now lift your hands. I want you to lift your hands and just begin to magnify God and begin to praise God out loud and begin to glorify the Lord. Let the joy that's in you begin to bubble up. Begin to praise Him in the Spirit. Begin to praise Him in your prayer language and just begin to glorify the Lord. God is with you, not against you. And just praise Him. Father, we thank You. We praise You. We glorify You. We magnify Your name. We thank You for ministering and touching. In Jesus' name, we give You praise. Hallelujah. Thank You, Jesus.